We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We are back with another Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. John Kurtz, former K-State wide receiver and birthday boy this week, Aaron Lockett, here on the podcast. And we have a fun, fun game to talk about as K-State blitz Stanford 24-7 in the season opener at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. A really, really fun game and a really fun environment, too. Shout out to all the K-State fans that made it to AT&T Stadium for that game. The attendance just under 30,000, and I would estimate that uh, 98% of that was uh, was purple <laughs> and K-State fans. But, man, I, I just – that to me, Aaron, could not have gone much better at all than it did. And, by the way, before we get into this, let me, let me not get ahead of myself here. The podcast is brought to you by 360 Vodka and Holiday Distillery. I am sure that there were a lot of uh, <laughs> victory drinks – taken down by K-State fans. And, I mean, it seemed like everybody took my advice and was plenty lubed up before the game, too, and used that 360 vodka for some screwdrivers or Bloody Marys or whatever it was before the 11 a.m. kickoff because it was a lively crowd at kickoff at AT&T Stadium in Arlington. But, hey, they've got you covered for anything that you want. Craft cocktails, batch drinks, infusions. 360 vodka has your drink of choice covered. Make sure and take that out to Bill Snyder Family Stadium for the first home game with full capacity since 20. 19 coming up this weekend but like I said Aaron I, I I don't know that that could have gone much better uh I was very impressed with the attendance I was very impressed with the team what happened actually out there on the field and man after so long since it had been it had been so long since K-State had won a game to get out there and do it like that in dominant fashion felt really really good yeah the the environment was electric we talked about it feeling like a bowl game and that's exactly what it felt like uh kansas state fans always traveled well and they didn't disappoint last weekend so excited to be in the crowd excited to be one of the ones cheering and rooting on but really impressed and we'll talk more about it about how k-state showed up but the fans definitely showed up um great to see a lot of former players um it's just you forget that camaraderie that you miss in the locker room and so um, had a chance to, to chat with, with uh, Terry Pierce, talk to, um, you know, Demarcus Fagans, talk to Jerry McLeod. I mean, it was just awesome. Josh Buell, like, and I missed a ton, right? I missed the Frank Hernandez. I missed Jeff Kelly. Um, I know those guys was in the crowd as well, but um, it was just nice to be around Joe Gordon. Uh, the list goes on. Dante Barnett, it's just Keenan Taylor. Like, it was so many ex-players there that it just felt um, like Dallas was the place to be last weekend. Yeah, that, that's really cool. And, I, I man, K-State – Back in 
the day and still now they recruit Texas quite a bit, but you know, when Bill yeah. Snyder was there and you were there, like a lot of, a lot of Texas guys. Um, so that makes it, a, I think a very easy trip for a lot of people. It was really fun. Uh, so I, I'm all for it. K-State got a seven figure payday for playing that game there. It went really well. Yeah. They, they waxed Stanford and things I thought, even looking back at the TV broadcast looked and sounded really good. It did not feel or look like an empty stadium at all. And as far as the game goes, I I've had so many people ask me, this was like the, immediate reaction from a lot of people hanging out even me just at texas live in, in arlington after the game is like people were coming up and asking like okay was that is k-state that good or is, is stanford yeah, just that bad, bad. <laughs> and i was like okay well I, I understand why you'd ask that question but m- my message would be don't worry about that too much right now like just just enjoy the fact that the team went out and and dominated a, a team with a pulse like no matter what stanford is going to be that's that's a power five program certainly with a pulse they went four and two last year won their last four games, despite the fact that they couldn't even practice at home. Um, and they have they have a lot of legitimate talent. I mean, Tanner McKee, one of the two quarterbacks, he was right behind Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence in that class of quarterbacks when he came out. So, like, they, they have some dudes in case they went out and totally controlled the game. If you really wanted my answer, I would say – it probably says a little bit more about Stanford than it does K-State. I, they, they disappointed me in some areas, but, man, still – and that was a game that probably should – K-State left some stuff out there and still won by 17 and almost shut Stanford out for the first time since 2006. So I would just say take all the positives you can out of that because there were plenty. Yeah. The execution I thought was really well. I, I thought they came in with the emotion and the energy. I thought they were clicking on all facets of offense immediately. Um, that first drive was electric, right? We ended up with the, with the interception, but um, we had Stanford on the heels early, and I just thought it was incredible um, – the routes Deuce was running, the way they were getting the ball in, in Brooks' hands. I, it's just Skyler, as we talked about last week, he was the difference maker, right? His cool, calm, collective nature, um, the offense kind of, you know, led, led on him to do that. But the offensive line played well. Like, and we'll get into that a little bit. But I was really impressed uh, just around the athletic ability that we saw. I, I was always worried about Kansas State here of late. Are we fast enough, right? as a team, um, and we'll talk about defense, but obviously the defensive side of the ball a lot faster than expected. They were getting sideline to sideline, a lot of rotation going in, a little bit different than I was anticipating, but a lot of guys got a chance to be on the field, gain a lot of experience, but they were flying around, um, but they were fired up. I mean, like I said, it felt like a a mid-season to late-season game, um, but they executed well enough to be ahead in that game. Like you said, we did leave some things on the field there, but – Happy to get that cleaned up soon as possible, but excited to see what the next couple of games will look like. Yeah, I, I think the defense is where to start here because we came in thinking, and and everybody, I mean, the general consensus on this team had kind of been defense. That's where the question marks lie, linebacker in particular, and then offensively there was a lot of optimism. The offense did play pretty well, but still left some things out there and some room for improvement. I mean, the defense for most of the game, I don't know how you could have expected them to play much better. And I think what you said really stood out to me. It was the speed. Like, they, they look so much – in three years since Chris Kleiman has taken over, it just looks like the team speed on defense especially has improved immensely. And a part of what helped there actually is – I'm curious for your take on this because there was a lot of talk about this after the game. Chris Kleiman had kind of covertly – or I don't know if that's the right word, but like he had covered up throughout the entire offseason and, and hit it pretty well that they were experimenting with using a three-man front – and going like three, three, five defensively. And I, I do remember hearing that. And we asked some questions about it in press conferences and got, you know, pretty 
coach speak, coy answers. And then right. bam, all of a sudden you got out there and it's a three-man front for most of the game against Stanford. They, they had extra linebackers, extra safeties, nickels out on the field. And that, I think, also helps make the defense look faster. And clearly Stanford was not ready for that. Chris Kleiman said that's been in the works for eight months and that he learned it from some coaches in the industry. He did not want to divulge uh, who that was. But what, <laughs> what were your impressions of how much of a difference that made for the defense going with that strategy? I thought it put some unique players in some really successful situations, right? I remember looking at Jay Mack uh, in the secondary, and he was lined up as a linebacker, right? And so that aggressive nature kicks in, and they fly to the ball, right? They was able to get around the edge pretty quickly. Um, I thought the corners played well, right? I thought they shed the blocks and came up and made tackles. And so as, as Stanford tried to go east and west with the football sometimes, we were able to meet them on, on the edge. And so I thought that was big. And like you said, the three-man front at times – um, didn't get as much pressure as you want out of that three-man front when you talk about rushing the quarterback, but we did have enough on the back end to be able to cover whatever balls they threw. And there was a couple of balls they threw on the fade routes that were um, back shoulder throws, hard to play sometimes, but we were right there. Um, they came up with about three or four of those on third down. So those were big plays for them, move the chains. Um, but for the most part, the secondary, I was really impressed with. That's who I was really focused on. Um, Yeast played well, you yeah. know. Um, they robbed him of a pick with a penalty, but he was in the right place at the right time, caught the ball well. Um, I like to see turnovers, right? That changes field position, changes the game immediately. But being a new player within a new team in a new environment is hard sometimes, and those guys did it pretty flawlessly. I would agree, you know, and I mean, Julius Brents, I, I thought he's the, the most heralded of the, those guys and the most hype, yeah. and you can definitely see the, the size and length and ability because really the only time that the only time that you even could say, well, he he wasn't that he that he messed up, I guess more or less, is what you said. It was just like a perfect throw, back shoulder throw, yeah. and he was right there in position. You know, what I mean, it just felt like they were always right there. It was a matter of Stanford hit a couple of really nice throws. And so I'm glad to hear you say that. I guess long story short, to kind of back that up, because that was that was my opinion watching it is it's like, I don't know that they could have done much better. Obviously I guess make a better play on the ball, but sometimes you really can't if a back shoulder throw is executed. Well, you know, Boye played outstanding. They didn't challenge him much. Stubberfield, great uh, PBU on the inside yes. slot, big time play, right? Turned the head, got there. Gardner almost with the pick six um, towards the end of the game. Yeah. Um, you know, and like you said, um, if you just look at the way these guys play, like, they put themselves in positions to be successful. A lot of one-on-one -on -one coverage, a lot of man-to-man, -man, and I thought they actually did extremely well. Like I said, J-Mac, forced fumble. I mean, they all had their times where they made plays from a secondary standpoint. And then you look at the Wayne Jones come in, and like you said, they're getting them linebacker situations. We just look faster across the board, and I felt pretty comfortable from a defensive perspective, but I didn't really feel challenged at all. And as we said, Sanford may not be the Stanford of old, but obviously there's there's pretty good talent on Stanford um, just being a Pac-12 team. They've always got some big-time talent around their tight ends. And so I think we, we did a good job of just slowing Stanford down to where they feel like they couldn't make the plays they wanted to make. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to throw in one more name here, and this is a linebacker, which they took a, a, a lot of heat and question marks and criticism going into the season. But I, I thought Daniel Green played really well. And oh. Chris Gleiman today at his, his press conference, I – I asked him, hey, who stood out and really popped on film when you threw on that film defensively? And he, without hesitation, he said Daniel Green. And he was there like, Daniel go. Green. And that's that's exciting. That's enticing because if there's a spot where you wanted somebody to step up and show the ability to be like an all-Big 12 player, it's linebacker. Mm -hmm. Daniel Green's a former four-star recruit, so you would think 
you know, more so than other guys on the roster. Like he's got that kind of talent in him. And that that appeared to be a guy that was playing with a different sort of motor than we've seen in the past. You know what's interesting to me when the game was over, had a chance to go down uh, and meet some of the players after the game and talk to their families. The size of these kids is different, right? I've been around a lot of athletes, a lot of K-State players in the past, and we've had, you know, Bishop was a decent-sized quarterback. He was, you know, pretty jacked up. Uh, but these kids nowadays, um, you know, standing six foot three, six foot four in these positions is just incredible. And so, and they're lean and fit and ready to go. And so I think we look more like the Big 12 team that we should look like based on size alone. At times we used to always wonder were we, were we big enough across the board, but the size that we have now as a team feels like that we can compete um, athletically with almost anybody. Yeah. I, I said to somebody at the game, I was like, if you took a neutral observer and you said like, Hey, which of these two teams is more talented, more athletic, like, yeah. you know, you wouldn't have, you wouldn't have really been able to tell much of a difference there or anything. You would just look at it and say, well, K-State looks a lot faster. <laughs> so um, that's a good thing. And that shows that the recruiting has improved. And also I, I think the other thing is there's been a lot of love for Tremaine Carroll, who's the new strength and conditioning coach that yeah. came in. Uh, so, someone said, I forget which player it was that just said today, body by true. Uh, which made me laugh, <laughs> but that's that's kind of what they're saying. And, and oh, it's Wayne Jones because Wayne Jones has put on like 20 pounds to to play yeah. linebacker. So yeah. I think that has really helped as well. So man, so encouraged by what I saw from the defense. Now it's going to be a different kind of test, and we can talk about this a little later on. Different kind of test the next two weeks, in right. particular with teams that really want to air it out. Uh, Southern Illinois threw for almost 500 yards in their season opening game, so that'll be oh, different yeah. than what Stanford did. But still, for right now, all signs pointing in the positive direction for uh, for the defense there. You, you know who I'm uh, interested to see going forward? I'm going to call him uh, T-E-0 is what I'm going to call him. Um, tight end, that's a spot. We talked about using that as a safety valve. Um, has a chance. T-E-0 has a chance to be a big-time player for us. Um, like you said, as he gets comfortable with the offense, continue making those plays. One of those those catches he made on the sideline was incredible. At that size, to be able to stretch out and catch the ball. And I even saw him come off the field one time, and he said body by True, and I saw True run up on him and, and catch him and say, hey, let's go. You're back in it. You're all right. Let's go. And so it's that type of motivation between, between True and Joe Hall. What they do on the sideline is the game within the game. You know, people don't get a chance to see that, but, you know, those gentlemen are out there motivating these kids to, to continue to do what they're doing on the field. And I think those are the things that are going to help us when we get in those tight games. Yeah. Look, Daniel matter, baby, man, coming off the bus, like, like you said, like he looks the part and yeah. I was excited to see him get involved in the offense. Really. You know, he, he, I guess you could call it a drop on the one ball down the middle, but if Skyler leads him, that that's probably a touchdown. I think that's a throw that, that Skyler would like to have back. In fact, he really said as much uh, today when he was kind of breaking down his performance at the press conference uh, but yeah, the, the play on the sideline won a really nice ball from Skyler, a great catch from Matter Bebe. That that kind of makes your eyes light up thinking about the potential that's there for those guys. And look, offensively, they, they probably did leave some things out there. I think, you know, the interception, that first drive, both Phillip Brooks and Skyler Thompson have admitted that like they probably could have handled that differently. Brooks, so you know, actually, I'm interested in this, Aaron, from your perspective. So Skyler checks into that play and sees single coverage, wants to throw it out there. Now, he says Stanford did play it a little bit differently than what he expected based on what they'd shown on film. Brooks said that he should have, like, broken off the route differently. Um, 
and it, it winds up going to like the corner of the end zone. It kind of felt to me like it, it made sense what he did, but he said he should have broken off the route differently. I, what, what did you see from a receiver's perspective there on that play? Well, I think it was I think it was the right play, right? Anytime you get man-to-man coverage on the wide side of the field, you got to take a shot, right? And so the only thing I would say towards the end of that is Brooks is one of those situations where if you can't catch it, you don't let him pick it, right? And so whatever you got to do, you jump up high point and whatever that is, but I think he ran the right route. I didn't. Like I said, in, in the heat of the moment, he may have thought he should have broke it off, but I thought he actually had a chance there, and Skyler put it out there. And so that's a 50-50 ball, right? And as honest as I can be, as a receiver under six foot, those are not always the easiest balls for us, right, just yeah. naturally. And so, um, you know, you, you think about if you can't beat him off the line and he's playing off coverage and you can't beat him deep, that's going to be a hard ball to complete um, with the under six foot receiver just because the DB is going to be right there, and most DBs are 5'10", 6 foot, and so – um, maybe all of those dynamics together didn't make it work out. But the last thing is you just go try to go knock the ball down um, and you keep playing. But it was a right play, right play call. I want to see us take those shots. I mean, we need to take those shots just because if a defense feels they can play us one-on-one and we can't beat them, now we're in trouble because they have an extra man that can hit up in the box. And so I think we've got to find a way to continue to put the right people in those situations but continue to throw that ball. I couldn't agree more. You know, and they've, they've talked a lot throughout – fall camp about trying to throw it deep it seems like that's been an emphasis that they they want to have more of a deep pass like vertical passing game than what they've had in the past and I think they have the opportunity to I mean like I said we saw even the one play to a matter baby a tight end like that that could have been a deep shot right there they tried with Keenan Garber and we've heard a lot about the speed that that Keenan Garber does have and it resulted in a pass interference you know which is almost as good as a completion if you're going to take those kind of shots so they, they do seem very committed to doing that. And I, I also would just say that that was Skyler's first game in a long time. You know, I mean, oh, it was yeah. the first game of the year last year where he got hurt. And he and the, the coaching staff, they all downplayed. Like, you know, we don't think there will be any rust. There's there's no rust. And even after the fact, Skyler said, I don't think it was rust. Just me not executing. And that look, I'll take them at their word for the most part. But I'm just saying I would, I would cut them some slack in the fact that, yeah, like it was his first game in a while. You're going to be pretty amped up. Um, the interception came really early in the game and felt like maybe yeah. maybe that had him a bit more gun shy the rest of the way. And frankly, like they didn't need to take a ton of shots the rest of the way because they were just controlling the game and still moving the ball pretty well. Yeah, you know, I, I thought they did a smart thing. They started out with a lot of flat routes, a lot of five yard, seven yard outs to Brooks. And then they started hitting deuce on the out routes. Um, I want to see them, you know, throw it a little bit deeper. But you didn't, like you said, you didn't need to that game. Right. And so when you think about it, you know, you want to play to how the game is going, but um, we got a chance to see Deuce get loose, as expected, right? Yeah. And he looks as advertised, uh, hit the hole, hit a cut, and was gone. And so excited to see Deuce continue to play the way that he's been playing since he started there at K-State. And so for me, getting the tight end involved is going to open up everybody else, right? And so we got a chance to see Tyrone Howell get out there and catch a stop route, even though it called back by a penalty. Just getting the experience and that exposure when those when those times come around, I think that's it. And then, like I said, we continue to share the ball. Skyler's going to get more comfortable. I think when they start playing back home, that's the crowd they really want to play in front of, right? It just feels like that's where they want to be. And so this weekend should be an opportunity to make some of those plays. I'm glad he brought up Deuce because the guy is just so good at this point that I <laughs> it felt to me like it was a kind of quiet 120 plus yards yeah. that he put up which is weird to say and it was it turns out it was one off of his career high and you're you're sort of just like all right yeah ho hum I mean that's what Deuce does like you know he's one game into his sophomore year and we're already just expecting that from him you know I yeah. had the the 59 yarder which 
it, it was such an impressive play all the way around, especially learning more about it after the game, because what we figured out is Kleiman said it, Deuce said it, Skyler said it. It was that was all scouting. So they had figured out from a game last year on film that somebody had success with. And I can't remember if they said it was like inside zone or what the specific run play was. But they they saw that Stanford in third and long situations was burned a couple of times by somebody last year on film because they weren't protecting enough, like right up the middle like that and sending a blitz from the edge and a pass rush from the edge and clearly thinking about the passing game on third and long. So that was all scouting. That was all they had that scouted out. They had the perfect moment to go out there and execute it. And bam, it turns into a 59 yard touchdown. Now you still have to have the player that can go execute it. And obviously yeah. Deuce is that guy. Um, but that's the perfect example there of everything coming together with all the preparation that you put in for the week before. And then it goes out and works like that. So I don't know, like I, how often does that happen? How often is it that you you scout something out like that and just hit it perfectly? Well, it happens more than you think. Uh, I think, you know, with the amount of film that we watch as athletes, you, you see certain scenarios and they have it all broken down, right? Second and long, second and short, third and long, third and short. Um, if you're on our side of the 50 or if you're in scoring zone, like all red zone, all of that matters. And so um, really on third and long, people call it a safe play, right? It's like, okay, you're playing for field position. If you don't get the first down, you'll get a couple of yards, you'll kick it, you'll punt, and then you'll turn around and, and play defense. But for Deuce, we talked about this earlier, we got to get him in space on one-on-one -on -one situations. And he beat the safety to the spot, made one cut, and from there, it was gone. And so I think that's important for Kansas State to continue to find out scenarios and ways to get him in space against certain defenders where he can showcase his skills. And then, like I said, the speed is there, right? He's, he's, he's fast enough to take it the distance. And so um, I was just excited to see him just because you never know how your sophomore year comes, right? You never know how it starts out. And I think that he just started out with a bang. And so the confidence is there. Um, the team is behind him. He's just one of our key players that we got to keep giving the ball to. You know, the other thing I really like seeing from the offense is utilizing Malik Knowles in a variety of ways, which is not just throwing in the ball, which, first of all, he caught a pass and dragged defenders for seven or eight yards, which I'm, that's awesome to see because you think of Malik as being – He's been injured. Like, so you think of the tall, skinny receiver who's been kind of frail throughout his career, but he didn't look any part of that um, in the game. Looked very engaged. Obviously, he stayed healthy. And then a couple explosive plays in the running game. You know, they give it to him in the jet sweep or they'll line him up, like kind of split back in the shotgun and give him the ball. I, I love that. And we've seen that work a bunch of times. He had a touchdown against Baylor doing that. Um, he also had he, the Texas game two years ago in 2019. He was lined up in the backfield and they got him out just in the in the flat and a one on one move. And he's gone for a touchdown like they can do a lot with that, with his athleticism. And, and it works. You know, there wasn't like the, the huge home run, but there were a lot of doubles out there for, for Malik Knowles, which were very effective for the offense. Malik, Malik Knowles will be a deep threat for us. Like, he has that knack, right? It's just going to be getting the chemistry down with Skyler in the game setting. They may have it at practice, but actually in a game setting. But when you look at his physique, the way he's built, he's built for speed. And so it's not surprising to see him on the jet sweeps get around the edge. Um, tough, right? He runs through tackles, and he keeps getting the additional yards. And so now what we've got to do is we've got to get him back comfortable to where we get him a space, hit him on some slants, hit him on some – some fade routes, get, get him the ball to where he feels like, okay, now I can dominate from a receiver standpoint. And so it's just the repetition, just getting them reps out there to where he feels comfortable. But the, the skills is there. Like I said, the talent is there. The confidence is there. Um, and I'm excited to see where it can go. But he is definitely one that's going to open up the offense. And like I said, Brooks on the back end side, Brooks is fit for a slot guy. Like he is making the plays you need to make. 
caught the ball comfortably, looked great on punt returns, talked to him after the game, and he was like, I've been doing this. I'm comfortable. I'm ready to go. And so I like the confidence that I'm hearing about uh, the Kansas State players just because you see it from a distance, but when you talk to them, they've got that swag and that itch, and that's what you really need to be successful. And so, you know, these games, these next couple of games, we'll see how it translates, right? Consistency is always the biggest thing, but they're ready for Big 12 play based on how they looked initially, right? Yes, there's things you can clean up. And they gave up some balls on defense they didn't want to give up. But ultimately, they had turnovers, right? They got two picks, almost three, almost four, actually, um, you know, forced to fumble. Like, there are some things that we did yep. um, from a, a defensive standpoint where they should be able to to build upon. And so, like I said, excited to see them. Um, I, well, I talked about the rotation earlier. That was interesting to me, right? As a And I was talking to, to Dante Barnett about this, right? As a – as a defensive and offensive player, you want to be on the field all the time. It's like, that's just what you want. Right. And so um, it'll be interesting to see if that is, is that their real like take on how they want to work the defense or is that something that they're doing just until they get comfortable with who's in the right places. Right. And so are they trying to get more people experience in these early games or are they going to, you know, when we get to the, the big 12 and the Oklahoma States and the OUs, is it going to buckle down and somebody's going to be out there all the time? Those are things we'll wait to see. Um, but that's one thing I noticed is that, uh, you know, second and third, you had almost, you know, seven guys coming in and out. And I, maybe they were packages, but it worked for that game. And so it'd be interesting to see what that looks like long term during the season. Yeah, they they played 57 players by halftime. 57 yeah, guys played by halftime. Like it. it felt yeah. like it. <laughs> Which is insane. And it was uh, Chris Kleiman was even talking today about someone asked, like, who who's in charge on the sideline of all the substitutions? Because there was so much going on there. And. He was like, well, my son's in charge of some of it, and he screwed it up a couple of times. So we got we to figure that out. But it sounds like almost everybody has has somewhat of a hand in in trying to uh, to figure all of that out. So, yeah, they – you know, obviously I think it can pay some dividends in terms of keeping guys fresher and just getting – I think the big thing is, like, they really like to emphasize trying to play younger players as much as you can. It's kind of like the opposite Bill Snyder strategy where he, he was – you were going to have to really earn your way onto the field – they're much more like, hey, let me try and get a guy a couple of snaps, which defensively that worked a ton. They were on the field more offensively. There wasn't as much of a chance to do that because they only had, they, they ran 45 plays. That, that to me yeah. is another crazy stat after the game. The offense only ran 45 plays. So I had someone asking me today, like, where was Jacardi a right? And I was like, well, I mean, he, he had a couple of snaps, but there, there weren't many to go around offensively just because they didn't need to. They When you run 45 plays, you know, some of these spread offenses, sometimes you're running like upwards of 80 to 90 plays in a game, and, and there were only 45 for K-State. Yeah, and maybe that's why I feel funny about it, because it's not the Bill Snyder way, right? And so yeah. it's just like, for me, it's like, why are you taking me out? Like, what's the problem here? But I do understand trying to get some reps early on. Um, the only thing that could be the downside of that uh, is just you got to get a flow of the game. You know, you, you've got to, right. you, you know, and so when you're in the game, if you, if you feel like you're going to be taken out immediately, then that's hard sometimes. But Obviously, this is a new generation. They, they do it at practice, and so the guys are probably comfortable with it, and so it works for this team. Um, just excited to see what that looks like long term. But you talked about Wright. Um, I think Wright is going to be the offset to, to Deuce um, just because of the stature and of his ability to run the ball. And so I think we're going to lean on him hard as we get into red zone situations, uh, third and short. Um, I like the way he runs downhill. He's big. He's physical. He looks the part, um, and he's been successful when he's been in there. So hopefully that's something that continues as well for him to build his confidence because um, we're going to need everybody as we get into Big 12 play. Yeah, no, they do need all those weapons. And, I, I heck, I thought he looked pretty good the one carry that he did have. Uh, yeah. he, he definitely – he's got the physical ability to do that. So 
The challenge now becomes, can you turn the page from last week and get focused for a dangerous team? And I know a lot of people are going to look at it and say, well, it's Southern Illinois. It's the easiest game left on the schedule. But look, Chris Kleiman comes from the FCS ranks, so he's never going to underestimate an FCS team himself. But there was a ton of talk today at the press conference about how good Southern Illinois is. They're, they're ranked in the top 10 in FCS. They are a completely different sort of offense that K-State saw than what K-State saw in week one because they want to air it out. Their, their quarterback threw for almost 500 yards. He was the Missouri Valley Offensive Player of the Week. And that's a very good FCS football conference that includes North Dakota State. So th- that will be a test. We talked a lot about the secondary and how good they looked. It's one, can can you turn around and play a different style? And two, can you stay focused when that name is not going to be something that gets a lot of people naturally fired up? Well, like I said earlier, turnovers are big. Like we actually caught the ball, right? Forced fumbles. And so it's not just a PBU, but it's an interception. And so I'm excited to see our guys play against them. I think they're up for the challenge. Um, they may give up some plays, but long as they win overall, I think that's what's important. But yep, I want to see, uh, you know, I want to see what the secondary looks like when they're challenged on a regular basis. So once again, we've got to get a little bit of pressure, though. You know, you can't let any yeah. quarterback sit back there. If you let him sit back there, he's going to eat us alive, right? You're going to put our secondary in a situation where you can only cover for so long. And so hopefully, we'll see that combination um, working together. Maybe we'll switch it to some zones sometimes, but. Um, like I said, that's where the length comes in, right? Being six two, six three corners and safeties, like we can stretch out and get to the ball a little bit easier. And so um, we've, we've put ourselves in a good situation confidence-wise after that game, right? And like you said, that's just one game. But I think everybody that watched that game kind of said, oh, Cameron State's not that bad. Hmm. Yeah. You know, and so that's what you really want. You want people to say, and I saw that we jumped up, right, uh, a couple of spots in the rankings. Um, and it's just like, we're not where we want to be, which is fine, but it's better than where we started. And so, like I said, thought it was a great game. Loved the energy, loved the crowd, loved all the former players. It was just uh, – it's a game that we needed to start this year off. Yeah, K-State received 19 votes in one poll, 13 in the other, and I think it was 36th and 39th overall if you're if you're yeah. extrapolating all of that out. So, hey, if you, if you win out, you win the next couple of non-con games, which Nevada will not be easy. They won at Cal in week one. Um, if you win those two games, you, you may have a shot at being ranked by the time you go to Stillwater, depending on what happens. Uh, but look, it's good to, to get people's attention. One thing you jog my memory on this. I want to touch on this before we do wrap it up on the pass rush front. You know, we're talking about like seeing flashes of really good things defensively. I think we definitely saw in the secondary. I mentioned Daniel Green at linebacker and Cody Fletcher too. Uh, impressed oh, yeah. me. But on the defensive line, the, the, the sack that Khalid Duke had, where he he like spins through a double team. I mean, they were trying to double him because he's he's the guy on the defensive line. He's the guy that you're going to be worried about, and he's also the one that you feel like has this upside potential. That was one of those plays where I was like, "All right, man, like, yeah, let's go. Like, th- this can be a dude. It's it's can he do it consistently? But at least seeing that flash in week one, I was like, okay, that that gets me very excited. Yeah, between Duke and Horn, I mean, I thought they played well, right? Obviously, we want more pressure, right? We're always going to want more pressure. That's just who we are as fans, right? It's like, get to the quarterback, get to the quarterback. But I thought they did an excellent job of rallying to the ball as a team defense, right? It was, it was, uh, they were flying around. I mean, the energy started off high and it ended high. And it was just one of those games where I was like, they played really well, you know, um, considering all the conditions, right? First game of the year, not, not at home traveling. Like you put all those things in perspective. Um, you know, I was excited to see the way that they showed up, but like you said, the goal now is how consistent can you be? Can you string it along, right? And so 
obviously with so many people playing, you want to start to say, okay, who's ready for the challenge and who's struggling a little bit. And so that's up for the coaches to decide what that looks like. But for the players opportunity, this is just another game. You go out there. It's like, it's like game one of the year, like assume you're zero and zero. And so the goal is to get a win. I like the depth that we have so far, not in all positions, right? I think that if you look across the board defensively, uh, secondary, we've got some depth receiver to be determined, right? We've got some guys, but do we have enough experience there? Right. And so, and obviously how much are we going to throw the ball? Right. So it just depends on some of those games. Um, and like I said, we've got some depth at quarterback, but obviously scholars are guy, right? And so it's just, just some of those things you got to think about as you start going through the season. And so, yes, it may be important to get a lot of these guys some experience early on, just so they can have that confidence behind them. Yeah. And it would be a great game. You, you brought up Will Howard. It, Chris Clement said he's the best backup quarterback in the country after the game. They, they really, really believe in him. Uh, it would be a great chance to get him into the game, hopefully, if, if you can build up a lead against um, Southern Illinois. But again, it's a very good team. There's been a lot of yeah. caution about how good they can be. And you, you need to look no further than week one of the college football season where six FCS teams beat FBS teams, including a, a ranked FBS team. Washington went down at home yeah. to Montana. Montana. So you got to watch out, man. I mean, you do have to watch your back. I, you played a lot of those games, Aaron, back, you know, back in your day. Bill, Bill Steiner took a lot of grief for his yeah. <laughs> tactics, right? You guys played a lot of, a lot of Louisiana Techs, Northeast Louisiana's, uh, all that stuff. I mean, that, that's not an easy thing always to, to get yourself locked in for that kind of a game. You know, um, you know, it's not. But the other difference is always the first couple of games of the year. So you're excited to get on the football field and make plays. And so a lot of those teams – don't have the depth. And so they come out with basic cover three schemes. And so it's quarter, quarter with a safety down playing the flats. And so we would just scheme against that, but we threw the ball a lot when I was there. Right. And so when you think about that, you got big chunks of field, I mean, big chunks of yardage through certain plays. And so that's the difference when we played versus a team like here. And so they have it with deuce, but we had some heavy hitters that was able to go the distance like anytime. And so whether it was Scobie or Eric Hickson, they can go 70 or 80 in a heartbeat, right? And then it was me and Darnero and Quincy. Like, you know, because of that, um, we would have 60 and 70-yard bombs all the time, right? And so that was exciting to us. We've got to get that on our offense consistently to where we have a number of players that can go the distance. And so once you get that, then those games become a little easier to manage. Um, but if you're playing every down and every series, hoping not to make a turnover and just methodically go down the field, that's hard sometimes. And so we find ourselves in some of those tough situations, but we talk about it. Um, the biggest name of the game to me is speed. If you got speed on offense and or defense, you change the game. And so I think that's something that we've gotten better here of late. And so I'm excited to see that speed continue to grow. Yeah. Hopefully see it roll all over on Saturday at Bill Snyder family stadium, late kickoff, yeah. six o'clock kickoff for that game. So you will have all sorts of time to uh, drink plenty of 360 vodka from holiday distillery leading up to the game. Definitely do that. Get out and tailgate. Enjoy the atmosphere and the experience at Bill Snyder Family Stadium. I know both of us will be there on Saturday. So, Aaron, before we uh, wrap it up, any final thoughts here uh, heading into Southern Illinois this week? I told you I'm a wide out. I want to see more passing yards. I want to see more okay. elite goals. I want to see Brooks. I want to see Hal. I want to see Landrops. I want to see these guys get involved, right, because – we're comfortable running the ball, right? We're comfortable on the back end of getting of getting Deuce and company the ball, but I want to see the receivers come through and really showcase what they can do, and then that makes me feel better as an overall offense. And then defensively, um, I want to see what these DBs are about, right? I, I know they've got the swag. I know they've, they've got some picks. I know they've got the size, but can they do it day in and day out? And so there'll be challenges this weekend, but excited to see how they step up. 
All right, I'm excited as well. Another another football week. Everything's rolling pretty quick here with uh, with the holiday week. Feels like we're barreling straight towards Saturday very, very quickly. It's going to do it for us, for Aaron Lockett and Tucker Franklin, our producer. I am John Kurtz. Again, shout out to 360 Vodka and Holiday Distillery. Go check them out. Grab your 360 Vodka and head to the game this weekend. That's another Lock It Up with Kurtz podcast. We will talk to you next week.